Uh, I, can I add my welcome uh, to Freya's? My name is Josh. I work part-time coordinating the community organizing work in the church, thinking about how we can uh, better respond to the needs and the talents that we find both outside the church but also uh, within the church. You join us if you are new or visiting, a particular welcome to you, and you join us in the kind of third week thinking in our vision series and thinking about what is the vision that God has given uh, to us as a church and how do we begin to implement it. It's a lot of what Freya was talking about earlier when she, in the collect when it says, give us good desires and pray that we could put it into good effect. In these few weeks, we're thinking about what it means to put into good effect the good desires that God has given us. So the first week that uh, we looked at in our vision series, uh, Graham spoke about evangelism and the importance of uh, bringing, being able to bring more people in. So he said, as a result of that, we're going to move to two services in the morning. And that's to allow each one of us to be confident that when we bring someone to church, there is a space for them. In the second week, it wasn't uh, no, kind of formally part of the vision series, but I think it, it fitted really nicely that Julian shared about prayer and the importance of prayer. Because ultimately, if we're talking about good effect, if we're not praying, there's no point in the rest of it. And now in this week, we kind of get into, we return perhaps into the bits more of the kind of nuts and bolts and saying actually what are the practical things that we can do as a church to grow in our discipleship. So we're going to think about particularly small groups. And if, and just fair warning, in a, in a, kind of, in a couple of minutes, I'm going to get you to talk to people next to you, and I'm also going to, uh, uh, in, in a bit, ask you to write something up on the board. So just to give you fair warning, that's coming, so you can't feel that you kind of, I've sprung that upon you. But let's, first of all, kind of, let's dwell on this idea of vision. What is it to be given a vision? In the Acts passage that we uh, heard earlier, Stephen has a vision from heaven. It says that he gazed into heaven and saw God and saw Jesus on the right hand of the Father. The remarkable thing about the passage is that Stephen allows that vision of heaven to influence what he does there. So he's about to be stoned, he is about to die, and yet he is able, because of that vision of heaven, to say, Father, forgive them. Uh, He's able to approach death in almost word for word, mirroring the words that Christ says, and kind of, Father, forgive them, they do not know what they're doing, and a kind of very similar thing, because of that vision of heaven. So when we're talking about a vision series, it's saying, what, what vision have we been given? What vision of heaven or the future have we been given? And allowing that to influence our present, rather than the past. I came across a theologian, a guy with a remarkable name, he's called Wolfhart Pannenberg. Can everyone say that? Wolfhart Pannenberg. Wolfhart Pannenberg says that, Whilst the world tends to say that we need to define things, what is, in relation to what has been, the Christian worldview has a very distinctive contribution because it says we need to define what is in relation to what will be. So you are not your failures. You are not your past life. You are that vision of heaven. That is the thing that defines your present. So as a church, what we're thinking about now is when we gaze into heaven, how do we allow those things that we see in heaven coming from the future to influence the present? How do we allow the inbreaking of the kingdom to happen? That's what we're about. That's why we are concerned with vision. So the question is then, what future is God calling us into? 
And while we, we know it's to be a, a, a beacon of hope for Hoxton, when we, we get more specific, we want to be people that worship God, we want to make disciples, we want to share Jesus, we want to transform Hoxton. And particularly now, we've been given this vision to repitch the tent. And again, we think that is, a, that, is the, that is the future we've been called into. And we are allowing that future to define us, not our past experiences of resources or past experiences of kind of really struggling with evangelism. We're allowing the future that God has placed before us to say, this is who we are. That is where our identity is. And so now we come to this. And so we talked about kind of how do we grow? And in repitching the tent, Graham starts to say, well, actually, how do we grow both as individuals and also capacity more generally? And that was, and, Graham, and Julian gave the first part of the answer. We grow as individuals by prayer, and we, then we grow numerically by handing that over to God and by praying. So I want to provide this, kind of give you some food for as the second part of the answer. And the answer, that discipleship, we need to take small groups seriously. Let's turn to the passage in John 14 and look at the future that, God, that Jesus calls us into, the future that we, should, that we and our presence should be defined by. He says, you will do greater things than me because I am going to the Father. I wonder how that makes you feel. On the one hand, I feel that's amazing. I feel because Jesus goes to the, the Father, because he's able at Pentecost to send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit lives with me, I am, or we are, able to do greater things than Jesus. But also, if I'm honest, that's flipping terrifying. Because that's a lot of pressure. And I don't know about you, but uh, you know, I've been a Christian. I would say I've been a Christian all my life, so that's over two decades I don't think I've ever really approached a point where I was going, yeah, I'm doing greater things than Jesus right now. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe there's other people in this room who are like, honestly, Josh, you're kind of, you're a young Christian. Maybe in the third decade, that's where, you know, that's where the greater things really kick in. But like, well, let's hope, you know. Uh, but, what, but what, you know, how, how do you get there? But it's interesting, the answer that John 14 gives is how do we do the greater things is this. Stop trying. It's not in your strength. In verses 10 to 11, Jesus says, you know, Jesus says, lets them into, the disciples into a secret and says, this is how I do it. He says, don't you believe that I'm in the Father and that Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Stop trying. You're not going to grow as a Christian by trying really hard. Similarly, if I wanted to run a marathon... Trying, trying very hard isn't going to be sufficient, is it? I will still faint on, I don't know, optimistically, kind of mile 10, uh, and that's very optimistic. I can't just exert more effort. I wonder if, as a Christian, you find that you are struggling and that your response has been just to try harder, and it's not working. I've got good news for you. Stop trying. The answer is dependency on God. The answer is gazing into heaven and saying, okay, I'm going to let your future Jesus define where I am here. But how do we become more aware of what the Father is doing? How do we grow in this dependency? This is where it gets complicated because that's bloody hard work. Everything in this world wants us to stop being aware of what the Father is doing. 
Notice in the passage that we had read to us first, the, the people who are arresting Stephen cover their ears because they are so terrified and they want to shout out. They, they stone him to stop him sharing the story of Jesus. There is a battle going on for our attention. Everything else wants to crowd out knowledge of Jesus, knowledge of what the Father is doing. So it's hard work to stay attentive to what the Father is doing. Well, okay, you might say, okay, well, Josh, you've told me this is easy. You've told me to stop trying, and yet you've told me it's really hard work. Those seem to be contradictions there. So how can we know the way? Well, I suppose the answer I want to give is stop trying, but start training. Here's something that Dallas Willard uh, wrote, who's written some of the most helpful stuff in discipleship in the 20th century, probably. He said, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part is thus practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. But these habits, not the law of gravity, can be broken. These are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps towards keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward being. These are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former one as we take intentional steps towards keeping God's before us. So just as we were talking about, you know, that me trying really hard to run a marathon isn't going to work, actually what will work is training. So, for example, I could go along to the balanced life stuff that's happening in church. I could get uh, Chris to put me through my paces over a series of months if I really wanted to run a marathon. And that would get me there, wouldn't it? Equally, you know, Fro and I are going to get married in February and we are doing a marriage preparation course because we recognize uh, that even for those as perfect as us, marriage might be quite difficult. So it's worth training. But it's funny that often we don't have the same approach to our Christian walk. We think that somehow it is an individual pursuit or it should come straight or it'll be straightforward. And it's not something that we need to train for. And this is where small groups come in. This is why small groups are so crucial. Because small groups are the training ground. It's great that you're here. It's really wonderful that you're here. And Sunday mornings form an important part of your discipleship. But they are not enough. Small groups allow you to develop a small group of people and you can, where you can intensively look at a particular aspect of discipleship, hold each other accountable to it, practice gifts, and grow in that. When Sievert, uh, our, our beloved Norwegian intern that was here a few months ago, uh, was with us, he gave a presentation to a couple of us on church growth and how we measure church growth. He 
uh, highlighted the research of a guy called Christian Swartz, who has done a lot of work into what it looks like to be a growing church, what it looks like to be a healthy church. And he lists these eight characteristics. But it's interesting that what uh, Christian Swartz and Sievert, uh, more importantly, says are the most important factors is holistic small groups. Small groups. That, that, that's the key to growth. Not having great worship, though we do. Not having uh, a wonderful welcome on a Sunday morning, though we do. Not having inspiring sermons, which, you know, maybe next week you'll have. Uh, It's small groups. Why? Because they are the place where you train, where you take seriously your discipleship in Jesus, where you take seriously... Dallas Willard says that perhaps a more helpful word for our discipleship of Jesus might be apprenticeship. Those of you who have done apprenticeships might know that actually what that looks like, it's hard, but it's about studying under a master, it's about doing what they're doing, it's about practicing the basic stuff and growing in that. Small groups are a place where we hone our apprenticeship to Jesus. So, we're going to plan some small groups. What we're going to do now is we're going to pray for a few minutes and we're going to ask God to show us what is the one thing that we would like to grow in. What is perhaps the one thing that you were saying, I really want to train in this. It might be reading scripture. It might be understanding the spiritual gifts. You might say, actually, God has put something on my heart and I want to engage with perhaps how we can welcome refugees or engage with the housing crisis and I want to train in that particular kind uh, kind of social action dimension of my discipleship. Or it might be that you say, actually, it's a particular book. I want to understand the Psalms. So we're going to spend a few minutes asking God as individuals saying what is it that we're seeking what is it the one thing that if we can train in would would take our discipleship uh, to the next level what is the thing that we really want to learn about God in the next few months then we're going to have about five minutes where you're going to talk to the person next to you about that and you're going to say you know ask each other what what are your priorities for your discipleship Uh, also get into the nitty-gritty conversations get into the conversations about like well, I haven't been to a small group because they're all at really awkward times. Identify times that might work. Identify places that would work best for you. Have that conversation between the two of you. And then when we have communion, we have those two boards up. And what I want to invite us to do is as you come up for communion and as we all follow the well-tried and tested uh, route round, uh, to the outside, that you would stop and you would write on, on, on one of those boards one, kind of a particular topic that you would like a small group to focus on, if there's, if there's a particular time that you would like, and a particular kind of e- ge- geographic area that you would like it to be in, write all that down. And then as a staff team, we will get together and try and work out a way of kind of of matching that information onto the small groups that we run. Uh, it, uh, looking forward to June and July. Because, you know, yes, we want to run small groups, but we want to run small groups that are useful, right? right we're all busy people. We want to we hone, hone the things that need honing.
the importance of this cannot be overstated. We can go to two services and we can feel great about the kind of adventure of doing that. But if we are not growing as disciples, if we're not holding each other accountable, we will stay at two services of kind of, of, of two small services. Moving to two services is not the growth strategy. We are the growth strategy. And we need to take our discipleship seriously in doing that. Does that sound okay? Okay, so we're going to spend one or two minutes praying, asking God, God, what is the one thing that you want me to grow in? And then we're going to turn and discuss that uh, with, with someone next to us. Okay, let's pray. Oh God, thank you that you have made each of us as individuals, that you have put a calling uh, on each of our lives, that you have put us into context with particular demands. May you now be drawing to mind the one thing or the couple of things that you want us to hone, the spiritual muscles that you want us to stretch Lord God, in the Gospel of John, the first question you ask is, what do you seek? Help us find the answer to that question. What is it we're seeking from you now? But these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps towards keeping God before us. Soon our mind will return to God, as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward being. Now's the opportunity to introduce yourself to someone next to you. Uh, and yes, and ask them, what is the one thing that you want to grow as in a disciple or the one thing you want to find more about in the next few months? Uh, and we'll, have, we'll give you a few minutes to do this. So, so ask them why. Try and understand their story a bit more. I'll see you in a second. Do continue those conversations after the service. Uh, regardless of content, the opportunity to get to know people and to talk about something, hopefully on a kind of perhaps a slightly deeper level than perhaps a lot of our conversations would be about saying, actually, what, what are the core things about our discipleship? Uh, those are the conversations that I think give a lot of us a lot of life. Uh, so do make a habit of uh, asking, asking other people. Perhaps, you didn't, perhaps there's a couple of people that you say, actually, I want to find out what they, they want and what God's doing in their life at the moment. Um, so we're about to move into a time of response. Uh, but I would just say a couple of things. It might be that you have sat here and said, this is all a kind of interesting academic exercise about things that I would like to do. But ultimately, the way my life works, I'm not going to manage to get to a small group. Write up those obstacles. Write, say, like, I, I have kids, and so I need to bring them. Fine, we can run a small group in which kids are there too. Or I work really demanding hours, and I can only do this time uh, on a Saturday, say. Write that up. This stuff that you've been discussing here matters. And this is the stuff which, if we can do it, if we can support each other in growing in it, we'll see Hoxton transformed. 
if we're serious about seeing people come to know Jesus, if we're serious about seeing Hoxton transformed, if we're serious about seeing the world transformed, then we've got to say, are we serious about training and doing some hard stuff, perhaps spending an hour after work uh, with some people that we don't initially know very well, but in the belief that it's going to grow us, it's going to develop us, so that we can then do those things. Let's pray. Lord God, do not end these conversations here. This is the beginning of a conversation. Do not allow us to park this in the next few minutes. Stir us up, Lord, to train in the ways that you want us to train. Hone the skills that you want us to hone. Practice the gifts that you have given us. May we hear your calling in our context. May we live in light of the future. May we gaze on heaven. And may we live in response to that, in in response to your presence and not anything else. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Josh. Um, Why don't we stand together? Steve's going to lead us in a song. Um, And uh, it's a new song, so you can kind of join in as you know the words. But actually, first of all, I just want to invite us, uh, as we stand, to respond a little further in prayer. Because I think a a lot of what Josh has been speaking about begins with our heart, begins with our desire. And uh, he's been quite open about it. Maybe for some of us here, life's just too busy to be thinking about this. It just feels like another burden and actually just the two hours on a Sunday morning is really all you can commit to in your Christian life but maybe maybe just some of us deep in our heart know that we want it to be different and we know that we want to have the desire to go deeper in fellowship the desire to invite friends and uh, all that Josh has been saying about training will only be put into effect if first the Lord changes our hearts So just close your eyes and let's pray that the Spirit would come and plant in us those new desires. Come, Holy Spirit. Give us that deep yearning, that deep desire in our hearts to live more fully for Jesus to build that culture of invitation where we're not ashamed to tell our non-Christian friends about your love not embarrassed to invite them to our church or our small groups Lord even if we don't quite yet desire that culture of invitation Give us the desire to desire that culture of invitation. Give us that yearning. Lord, I pray that you would make us more dissatisfied with the status quo. Make us more frustrated with things just as they are. And direct our gaze on our Lord Jesus Christ. That we might find all our hope. 
So as we sing, if, if you know that you want the Lord to change your heart and give you a deeper desire, just um, maybe raise your hands in front of you. It's true for me, I want to. I want to uh, be more fervent in my desire to see people in this neighborhood come to know Jesus, to invite my friends, to see my friends come to know the Lord, to see our church grow uh, in fellowship, in obedience, and in number. As we sing, just allow the Lord to minister to you and to change your desires. Come, Holy Spirit.